It's a great song. It's a great way to start off this sermon. I, uh, I want to share a couple of stories with you as we get started. The series is foundations. For like the whole year, we're looking at foundational truths, foundational teachings. And in particular, these next, this, we're in the middle of a four-month series called TGIF, Truth, Godliness, Influence, and Finishing. And today is the final message on godliness. And we're talking about committing to godliness. And I got to thinking about that. There's some things that you commit to, kind of like the song said, we march on. No, no matter what's going to happen, you, you keep going. You keep preparing for the next day. You keep moving forward. But then there's other things that once you commit to it, there's no going back. You know? That first time you walked out on the, the end of a high dive diving board, and you look down, and you look back, and all the other kids are at the bottom of that. They're like shaking the, the lag. Come on! It's 102 degrees out here. Just jump already. You may not do anything cool, but you are not walking back and coming all the way down that ladder. You're all in. And so you take that step out. Automatically, you're committed. But bungee jumping. There's no going back from that one either. Because they get that harness on you and they get you all rigged up. And, and just as you think you're going to take a step back, the guy up there goes, you paid for this. <laughs> and he gives you a little nudge. <laughs> and there you go. Some things you can't gradually step into. I used to train lions and tigers. One of the things I learned from Jerry, who taught me how to feed them, and we hand-fed all of our animals. We hand-fed them so that we could have a relationship with them. And he said, the thing about hand-feeding a lion that weighs 800 pounds or a tiger that weighs... 1,200 pounds, is you're committed. You make that little meatball, and when you put your hand up to his mouth, you don't pull it back. All right? That's a bad idea. You move forward. You're committed. And you put your hand right up at his nose, and he eats right out of your hand. And you don't move till he gets all the meat, because then he'll confuse your hand for the meat. It's, it's bad. You're committed. There, there's no just taking little steps sometimes. The same thing, Don mentioned uh, his baptism. You walk down in there, you are committing to godliness. And we're going to talk about that today. What does it look like to commit to godliness? As we closed out last week, I challenged you, put on the full armor of God every day. Depend on his strength. I told you one of the things I've learned is that it's a lot easier to be a reflection of Christ when we put on his armor every morning rather than clothing ourselves in the world. And then I said, go in his strength, in his armor, and go to win and commit to grow. I want to pick up right there, because today I want to share with you three things that we need to do that I think complement putting on the armor of God, that, that kind of shape and, and bring to a, a fulfillment the commitment to godliness that we need to have. Once you put on your armor of God every morning, you need to commit to pray. You need to commit to live differently. And we need to commit to be obedient to Christ. If I had to sum up this message in one sentence, and it's dangerous to do that because some of you may be like, thanks, I'm out of here. But if I sum it up in one sentence, it would be that we need to commit to godliness every day. Let's start off with what that looks like when we actually commit to pray. Paul writes in his first letter to Timothy about a call to prayer. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, he says this. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings 
be made on behalf of all men. We're going to pause right there for a second. Entreaties, petitions, thanksgivings, all of those fall under prayer. Let's start with petitions. Let me ask you this question. Who are you? you don't have to answer this out loud. It's just kind of rhetorical. You think about these. I'll let you know when it's audience participation, which may happen later. But for right now, who are you praying for? This week, who have you been praying for? That's, that's petitions. Praying on someone else's behalf. Praying for someone else's reward. Praying for someone else's need to be met. Who are you praying for? And then when you look at thanksgivings, who or what are you telling God thank you for every day? Not, not just at Thanksgiving. We always do that. We go around the table and I'm thankful for family or whatever. But every day as you are praying, first off, who are you praying for? Second off, how are you praying? How are you thanking God? What are you thanking him for? And my favorite one is entreaties. Does everybody know what entreaties means? It means humble or earnest request. So then my question is, just what are you asking God for when you're praying? And and not just what are you asking him for, but how are you asking it? You see, sometimes when we pray, we demand things from God. Sometimes when we pray, we kind of treat him like a vending machine. Well, if I do this, then God will do this. Or, Or a genie in a bottle. As we pray, I've actually heard people say in a prayer, Lord, I wish that this would happen. He's not a genie. We don't make wishes. We, we make entreaties with humility. We don't bargain with God. How are you asking for the things you're asking for? Are, are, you, are you asking Him? Are you, are you being humble? This is the creator of the universe. Are you bargaining with Him? Are you demanding something from Him? Or are you, are you approaching Him with humility? How do you make your request known to God? The next verse, verse 2 says, For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, I'm going to pause here. Paul tells Timothy to pray for kings and everyone who's in authority. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time you prayed with entreaties for our president? our Congress, our Senate. When was the last time you prayed for Kay Ivey? Tommy Battle. When was the last time you prayed for Mark Mark McMurray? Does anybody know who Mark McMurray is, by the way? Anyone? All right, thank you. Good, Larry knows him. He he is the um, chief of police for Huntsville. When was the last time you prayed with entreaties for Blake Dorning? He's the sheriff of Madison County and his deputies. Uh, By the way, he graduated from Sparkman High. This is I don't bring that up like, oh, go Sparkman. I bring that up because my next question for families, for grandparents, for parents, when was the last time you prayed for the principal of your school or your child or grandchild's school? When was the last time you prayed for the teachers in our schools? When was the last time you prayed for the nurses, the resource officers? You see, I think in the church, in the Christian church, I think we have overlooked one of the focal points of Christianity here. Pray for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. When was the last time you prayed for people who were in authority in your life or in your child's life? 
Paul writes that while we're praying for all men, we should remember kings and all those in authority so that we may lead tranquil and quiet lives in godliness. Now you may be thinking, but I don't know what to pray for these people. I don't know Kay Ivey. I don't know President Trump. I don't know all the people in the Congress and the Senate and, and all those. I don't know all those people. I don't know what to pray. I don't know. Maybe we could pray that God would put someone in their life that will speak the truth of God's word to them. All of those people have some sort of an inner circle. Let's pray that someone in that circle, someone in Ivy's circle will speak the truth of Jesus Christ to her. Someone in Tommy Battle's circle will speak God's love to him. Someone in McMurray's circle will speak the word of God to him. It may not be you or I, but we can pray for those people. That goes back to the petitions, the entreaties. How are we praying for the people who are in charge of our community, of our state, of our government? We could pray that they would make decisions that will lead to tranquil and quiet life. Oh, wouldn't that be grand? Wouldn't it be awesome to see all of our politicians leading a life of godliness? You laugh, but if we're not praying for it, who is? If we're not petitioning God on their behalf, then who is? Who's going to pray for that? Verse 3 goes on, he says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. That's, that's all politicians, Republican or Democrat or Independent or Tea Party, all men. For there is one God, one mediator, also between God and man, the man, Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. I have a crazy idea. This is the audience participation part. You're going to love it. Let's do that right now. Every one of us. Go ahead and stand up. It's Family Sunday. We've got to teach our kids how to pray. Stand up. And then let's do right there what's being said. Let's, every one of us, lift up our hands and take a moment right now to pray for the people that I just talked about. At camp last week, we have 43rd and 4th graders. Our focal point was unplug, and on Wednesday, we talked about unplug to pray. And on Wednesday night, we had some needs with some of our counselors and some of our staff, some things going on in their lives. And I said to these little kids, these 3rd and 4th graders, I said, hey, we're, gonna, we're unplugged. And we're unplugged today. We've talked about prayer all day. We're going to put it into action. We have 40 little kids, little third and fourth graders, that all out loud, all at once, prayed for the needs of some of our adult staff for camp. It was one of the coolest things, hearing those little voices ask God, petitioning God on someone else's behalf for a blessing, for encouragement, to be able to do what needs to be done. What baffles me about God is that he can hear every one of us all at the same time. And so right now, let's just do that. Reach out. Reach out. Lift your hands. Close your eyes. Bow your head. Pray right now for our leaders. Pray for Kay Ivey. Pray for Tommy Battle. Pray for Matt McMurray. Pray for Blake Dorning. Go ahead. Pray for these folks, and I'll close us out in just a second. Go ahead. Start praying.
Father God, we come to you in the middle of this worship time. We lift up our hands because everything we're about to ask you is out of our control. It has nothing to do with us. Lord, I ask that you be with the leaders of our country. I ask that you be with with Kay Ivey, with her staff. I ask that you be with Tommy Battle. I ask that you be with with Matt McMurray and uh, and, and Blake Dorning, with, with the police, with the sheriff, with the folks who serve our community. Lord, what happens to them is really out of our hands, but I ask that you will put people in their lives that will speak truth into their lives, that will tell them your story, tell them what about your son, will tell them things that will give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that they have to make. Lord, I thank you for hearing all of our prayers. I thank you for answering all of our prayers. In your son's name we pray, amen. Have a seat, guys. Listen, once we've put on the armor of God and we commit to pray, I think prayer, I told these kids this week, I said prayer is the easiest thing that we can do as Christians for each other. I don't have to know all the details of your life to ask for a simple blessing for you. I don't have to know everything that you're struggling with to ask God to intercede for you. But we talk about so many things in churches. We talk about sports. We talk about food. We talk about restaurants. We talk about all these things. Surely we can stop and pray for one another. And once we put on the armor of God, once we've committed to pray, we need to commit to live differently. I think one of the best examples of this is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. I want to look at it how we can commit to live differently. Look at what's said here. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter in to the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Now, if you're a Christian, you have this new and living way that God inaugurated for us through the sacrifice of Christ. Keep that in mind. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, this great priest is Jesus, all right? Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another And all the more, as you see the day drawing near, not forsaking, oh, excuse me. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, and we're done. I was excited. I had another verse, but that's all right. I want to talk about these last two verses. See, if you believe what I read at the beginning of this Hebrews passage, if you believe that's true, then action is required on your part, Christian. Verse 24 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So how can we stimulate the people around us on toward love and good deeds? Any ideas? Pray. That's a good one. Good job, Rick. Another one for starters is, hey, come together. Don't forsake the assembling. Come together. Not just on Sunday mornings. Come together for CPR meetings and homes. Come together on Sunday evenings when our Fusion Youth are meeting uh, during the school year. We offer men's and women's Bible studies too. Come, speaking of Bible studies, come together during Sunday school. Every Sunday at 9.30. Truth is, some of you are here at 9.30, 
But you're forsaking gathering with others in a Sunday school class. You're off in the side hallway somewhere. We offer a lot of opportunities for coming together. Our fellowship ministry team is setting up more opportunities for us to come together over the next year. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, July 1st, our first ever faith, family, and fellowship event will be a cookout right here at 530. All you have to do is bring your family, a side dish and a dessert. If you have a yard game, bring it. We'll have a good time, rain or shine. How about the Women's Ministry Summer Adventure? Starts today at 4.30. Don't forsake it. Come. Be together. Don't skip out on these things. As we commit to godliness, we need to realize that making a commitment to godliness is not a competition. It's not about individual godliness. It's about godliness. It's important to remember that because we should all be striving towards that same goal. And it takes teamwork when a church commits to godliness. I need you. And you need me. And we need each other for accountability. To go through life together. For encouragement. We can build each other up to have that abundant life. Like what Jesus referred to in John chapter 10 verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus says he has come so that we might have life abundantly. To the full, some versions say. Committing to godliness is one way that we can experience this abundant life now. But how do we put that into action? We need to commit to be obedient to Christ. Put on the armor of God. Commit to pray. Commit to live differently. And finally, commit to be obedient to Christ. I think we can do that by following the example in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 25. It says this, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Verse 14 says, As obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Do you want, us, do you want to see our world be different? Do you want to see our community be different? then it's time for us to be obedient as children 
to God's Word. It's time to put on the armor of God, to commit to pray, to commit to live differently, to commit to be obedient to Christ. Do not be conformed to the lust which was yours in ignorance. We always think of certain things when we talk about that word. And some of you are like, well, that's not me. I don't struggle with that. By the way, some synonyms for that word are crave, covet, ache. Any of you crave nicotine? Chocolate more than you should? Any of you covet or desire those stiff drinks? Anyone covet your neighbor's success? Anybody out there ever ache for that next high, whatever it is? The only way to battle that is to put on the armor of God and not be conformed to these former things which were ours in our ignorance. God made a way for us to be different. You have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And when we put on Christ, when we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can be like Jesus. Verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. It is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I want to close out with this thought from 1 Peter, verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Yes, you will make mistakes as you commit to godliness, but the foundation that your commitment is built on will last forever. That's the word of God. When you fall short in your commitment to godliness, go back to the word of the Lord and you will find grace and forgiveness and restoration and the things that you need to start over again so that you can get up the next morning and put on the armor of God. And once you put on the armor of God, commit to pray. Commit to live differently. Commit to be obedient to Christ and commit to godliness every day. As we come to our response time this morning, what does that look like for you to commit to godliness? Do you need prayer for strength and focus to commit to godliness? The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe for you, the first step in committing to godliness is baptism. We'd love to talk more with you about that and what it looks like for you. The baptistry is ready. Maybe for you, one of the steps you need to take in Committing to godliness is to partner with us here at HCC and joining the fellowship, asking for accountability and community as you commit to godliness. Whatever your response is, will you stand and sing our response song with us this morning and respond to God's word accordingly? It's been great to be here with you all this morning, to worship with you, to share with you. Um, But now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want you to go, I want you to think about who you're going to share what you've heard this morning with. Don't forget, as you go put on the armor of God every day, commit to pray, commit to live differently, commit to be obedient to Christ, and commit to godliness. It, it's, it's something that just continues. Remember, the true picture of godliness lies in your identity with Christ. Because godliness is about being an image bearer. Whether you know it or not, we all reflect something. The question is, as you go to win and commit to grow, are you going to be Christ's image bearer or the world's? Will you stand and sing this last song with us?